Kriva here for the 16th day of Sivan. And this is in the year Tov Kuf Ayin Gimel, which is 573. This is the day that the uh, Holy Rebetzin, the Righteous Rebetzin, Freda, she was the daughter of the Alta Rebbe. Uh, she passed away on this, on this day in 573 Rebetz and Freda, she was a very special, a very uh, a great and important woman. She was, she was very dear to her father, the Alter Rebbe. He would actually give special Hasidic teachings just for her. Uh, her brother, the Mittler Rebbe, the second Lubavitch Rebbe, there's no picture of him. Uh, so he, uh, when he needed to... Um, find out something, uh, matter in Hasidus that he wasn't sure of, and he needed to ask his father, so he would ask his sister, the Freyda, to ask the Alter Rebbe. And the Mittler Rebbe would hide, and he would listen to the response, what he would say, he would listen in to the response of his father to them. Why, why specifically? I guess because maybe a son is easier to refuse, a daughter who wants to learn Hasidus, maybe he can't refuse. So, I mean, why couldn't he ask himself and get the answer himself? But apparently, that was a way of getting through to his father's heart, wanting to uh, know the answer, maybe right then and there. The Alter Rebbe once expressed himself about his daughter, the Rebbe Sinfreda, that in, in, in truth, that the soul of his daughter is actually from the masculine world. But... Uh, for some, for a special some reason, that soul dressed up in a in a woman's body. Uh, the Rebbe Freda was born in the year of Tov Kufchov Dalit. Um, uh, she passed away just about that's five hundred and forty uh, twenty four. She passed away about a half about a, a half a year after the Alter Rebbe, and she is uh, actually uh, interned very close to the uh, place of the Tzion, the interment of the Alter Rebbe in the city of Hadditch. The... What is it? 1764. Okay, so she, um, she was, I guess she died very young. Um, but look how their souls were so close. Re- yeah. Nachum, who was the son of the Mittler Rebbe, related that this Rebbe Freida was uh, very weak and she wasn't, she wasn't a very healthy physically person. And at, once the Alter Rebbe passed away, she became very weak. And they had to move her into some uh, country area when she felt that her strength is going and she's about to pass away. She called uh, many Hasidim and she asked them that after her passing they should... Uh, move her, intern her in Hadditch, and that they should bury her to the right side of the Alta Rebbe. But the Hasidim didn't really know what to do because 
although they knew that she was very dear to their father, but to bury a woman next to the holy caver of their Rebbe was like sort of a, not sure, they didn't know what to do. So when uh, s- several days passed by, the rabbits and Freyda called the Hasidim again. When the Hasidim came to her house, so they had found that she was <coughs> in bed in the middle of the room, uh, in all dressed in all her garments, and he asked the Hasidim that they should stand around her bed, and she started to say the morning prayer of what we say in the morning prayer, the soul that you give me is pure, you created it, and when she came to the words that you say, and you are destined to take it from me, she raised her hands, and she put out her ten fingers towards the bow, and she screamed, she, she screamed out loud, uh, Father, wait, here, I'm coming. And her soul passed away. So the Hasidim understood that a woman who had such a... She passed away under such kind of uh, uh, circumstances. It was a privilege, and uh, you have to give in to her request, what she had asked. But they weren't absolutely sure yet. So when they came to the cemetery, and they came to a crossroad over there, one, uh, they weren't by the crowd, I mean, they were on the road, but there was a crossroad. Uh, one, one way led to the city of Kremenchuk. The second one led to Hadish. Decided they're going to allow the horses on their own. And wherever the horses are going to take, that's where they're going to bury her. So you understand that Ibn Nachman uh, completed the story that the horses continue to Hadish. And as she requested, she has been interned right next to the Tziyun of the Alta Rebbe. Which was her father. Which was her father. So you say she was, she was buried in the plot, yeah. right? Generally, yeah, generally speaking, you know, there's issues about um, men and women, even, uh, even at the burial, to keep them separate, you know, not next to each other. I mean, that's the way it's done in the, I know, in other places they have families together, but in, 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 in like by us, in the cemetery, they have the women not too far, but not right next to each other. Uh, but uh, like you saw, the, the Rebbitsons are all next to each other, across, are right outside, across, across, the aisle. across the aisle, and the, yeah. the men are on this side. But uh, I guess she had a special, uh, a special exception, exception. And, um, you know, um, when I was growing up, the Montefiore Cemetery was, was empty. It was plenty of place. Today there's no space over there. It's, but there really you know, is no halacha that says they can't be buried together. No, it, it's no, more it's more, it's tradition. It depends on the tradition of the place, you know, what, what they do. So if you go to West Roxby, there are, the rabbis are in one section by themselves. No. Yeah. So why do you think the Montefiore Cemetery, it's surprising that it's filled? I mean, there's a few years passed by. Yeah. <laughs> the world, the nature, the world keeps on going, uh, nature keeps on... Uh, Beats all odds, you know. You know, you know, every time, you know, that's what happens. You know, in uh, in sixty years, a uh, uh, cemetery fills up. Yes. Where is Montefiore Hospital? Is that Manhattan or the Bronx? Oh, no, 
No, it's in the Bronx. I was it's there. in the Bronx. That's yeah, what I thought. Was there. We yeah. there for something. But this cemetery is in Queens. It's called the old Montefiore, yeah. There's a new Montefiore, my which is... My wife's parents are buried in the Montefiore in Walden. Yeah, that's... Uh, ah. In, uh, okay. Let's do Yimei Chabad for the 16th day of Sivan. This is in the year Tafresh Samach Tes, 669, just over 100 years ago, uh, 105, 105 years ago. Uh, that was the day that the Chosid Rebbe Yisrael Aryeleb Schneerson, he's the brother of the Rebbe, uh, he was born on the 16th day of Sivan in that year. Uh, which one is it? What is the English date? When you said 69? Yeah, 69. 16 of Sivan, 16. 16. 1909. 1909. Okay. Uh, he was born in the city of Nikolaev. That was where, if you remember earlier, their father, Reb Levi Yitzchak, uh, he was uh, invited by his father-in-law to sit and study, and he supported the family. So he was the, that he was the rabbi. His father-in-law was the rabbi of the city of Nikolaev. So he was over there, and uh, that is when he was born, uh, Yisrael Aryeleib. And he was a very diligent uh, student, and um, his mother, the Rebbe Tzinchana, a blessed memory, peace unto her, she would have to sort of pry him away from his learning so he'd eat, because he'd be so immersed in his study. Um, And one of the Hasidim that once um, visited after they moved, the Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, the father became rabbi of the city of Yekaterinoslav in Nepepetrovsk. Uh, and this was during the nine days. So he said that I saw that the youngster, this Arya Leib, was each night of the nine days sitting and completed an entire tractate of the Talmud in, 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 in each of the days. He had uh, un- exceptionally... Uh, deep and he had a natural depth and talents you know just unreal uh, one of the nights um, Rebetzin Chana called me to show how the diligence of her son Aryeleib she went into his room and she called him by his name he did not respond uh, she called him a second time, once, twice, but he still didn't respond. So she came over and she shook him by his sleeve, and he still didn't answer. That's how he was uh, concentrated in depth in his study. He didn't see anything. He didn't feel anything. He didn't hear anything. So she says, look, this is the mother talking about how diligent how strong her son of label. That was how the Rebetzin bragged, he says in front of me, uh, she bragged in that way. Uh, which, by the way, you know, there is that famous story about uh, the Alter Rebbe uh, living in a second uh, floor together, on the top floor together with his son. They shared a house in the, I guess the Alter Rebbe occupied the upstairs part of the whole house, 
uh, the, maybe the second floor, and I'm not sure it was like today, like totally two different apartments. It was just probably, it was an upper floor, and then there was a lower floor, and his son, the Mittler Rebbe, Dover, he um, occupied the lower floor, and it was known that the Mittler Rebbe, similar to what we discussed over here, he was somebody who would really attach himself to the uh, study, what he was studying, he, the, to the ideas, so that he would almost, you know, not be, no longer be in this world. He was like in a different world. He was in the world of, of Hasidus, of Torah, and, and, and ideas, and he didn't sense what was going on around him. So he had a, a child, it was a young child, that fell out of the cradle or something and started crying. But he was, uh, you know, you wouldn't hire him for a babysitter. <laughs> uh, he was so engrossed in his learning that he, he didn't hear the, the child cry. And, but his father, who was at one floor up, and he was also studying, but he did hear the baby crying. And the Altarebbe went down to the baby, took care of it, and put it back and made sure he doesn't cry anymore. And during all this time, all the commotion, he didn't, Still he, was, he didn't know anything. He was in a different world. He didn't listen. When he finished, his father told him that it is very important to study. It's very important to be dedicated to your studies. But he said, when a child cries, you have to hear. So, in other words, you can't be too that extent. You have to be able to listen. The Rebbe uses this story as a metaphor. Uh, Rebbe says that there are people, Jewish people out there, that are crying for help. Uh, sometimes they cry with a voice that you can hear. Sometimes they're crying that you don't even hear their voice. Uh, but they're crying out. They're looking for guidance, they're looking for meaning, they're looking for spirituality, they're looking for somebody to hold their hand and to show them about their Judaism, about their Yiddishkeit. And one can't say, well, I'm too busy studying or I'm too busy being connected to Hashem and therefore I can't hear, I don't see, you know, I can't do that. No. A person has to always make sure that if a child cries, if there's somebody that needs help out there, you have to be available, and you have to answer the call. And that is what the Alter Rebbe said. And that's what the Rebbe said. The, the lesson from this story is that you must always hear the cry of a child. But in this case, I mean, he was still a youngster, and he didn't have that responsibility. That's a responsibility for a person when he reaches the time that he's supposed to be working with other people and helping them out. But in any event, we see the great... Um, uh, the level of his brother. He, he, he is buried in Tzfat, in the holy city of Tzfat. And on the 13th day of Eir is his site. And it's tradition that the uh, people go to visit uh, his gravesite. The Rebbe has asked in the past that people go visit his gravesite. It's also, um, you know, this, he, um, he went to... Um, to England, he went to continue his studies, and then he passed away, and he eventually, they buried him in, in, in Tzapat. Oh, oh, the Rebbe kept his passing from his mother, that his mother shouldn't know. 
he would actually go through a great deal because he felt that she wouldn't take it well if she knew that he passed away. She would be very dev- she would be devastated. So he kept it from her. He did all kinds of tricks uh, until the day she died. She never really found out that he wasn't that he wasn't alive. Uh, he uh, the Rebbe would send cards in his name like. Uh, New Year's cards and things, Rosh Hashanah wishes and things like that. He went through a great deal of, a length of effort to hide his, his passing from his mother. That's the way the Rebbe cherished his mother's not being upset and not... Uh, the, the rabbi that died, is he the one who didn't hear his little baby crying? No. It's a totally true story. I just brought it in. He was just somebody that the... Rebetzin, which is his mother, bragged about to yeah. show the depth of his uh, his concentration and the learning that he didn't see anything. I brought in another story from the Alter Rebbe and the Mittler Rebbe. So that's a different, that's a whole different story. But I just brought it in because it has the same idea of somebody studying so deeply. But I brought it out to say that at the end of the day, one needs to hear the cry of a child and the uh, maybe a, a deep concentration, but ultimately one needs to do the private shop. <laughs>